This is an SBS radio podcast. Settlement Guide. Information, issues and stories about living in Australia. Mould is common in Australian homes as it thrives in warm, moist environments, especially in areas of above average humidity. The recent severe rainfalls and floods that ravaged various parts of Australia's eastern coast could be followed by an unprecedented spread of mould, which will cause dangerous health problems. Most flood-affected areas in Queensland and northern New South Wales are highly vulnerable to mould growth, and removing it could be risky, costly, and better left to the professionals. Mould is a type of fungus that grows best in damp and poorly ventilated areas, and reproduces by making spores. Spores are carried in the air and may cause health problems if inhaled by people who are sensitive or allergic to them. The World Health Organisation estimates that mould is present in up to 50% of Australian homes and it can cause serious health problems to people exposed to it, even for a short period. Mould can also damage fabrics, clothes and other personal items which, in many cases, must be destroyed. The main concern for authorities is the effect on public health. The Australian Medical Association Vice President, Dr Chris Moy, says the most vulnerable are people suffering from allergies, an existing respiratory problem or a weakened immune system. The the commonest allergies is really that people who have asthma or who have um, bad hay fever or eczema and are allergic to moulds, these conditions could get much worse. Um, And that's probably the the, the most common. For for others, it may just be a direct irritation because of the mould. So that's things like uh, bitter irritation of the eyes and irritation of the nose and throat. And then in a rare number of cases, we'll have much more severe reactions like severe lung disease or direct infection of the lungs themselves or sinuses. And and they're very uncommon. They're generally people who have a susceptibility, uh, like, for example, if they have chemotherapy or, for example, who have a very rare uh, severe immune response to the moulds. Sydney University researcher and senior lecturer in architecture, Dr Ariana Brambila, recently published a book on moisture and buildings. She says that, on average, one in three homes suffers from excessive dampness and mould proliferation, resulting in significant impact on human health and repair costs. Dr Brambila explains that our behaviour in enclosed spaces could encourage the formation of mould in all types of buildings, old and new. If we look at new buildings, it could be also the way we live indoors. So it means ventilation of the spaces, and if we are doing uh, particularly activities, workouts, for example, or if we just leave um, clothes drying indoors. So we can say that both uh, old buildings and new buildings can suffer from mould growth equally. The effect of mould on people's health can have dramatic consequences. Melbourne-based Amita Piazzi started to develop symptoms after living in several rental properties over the years, all of which had probably been water-damaged. It took her years to realise that a variety of health issues she was suffering from were connected to mould exposure. There was a vast array of symptoms. Some of them were cognitive, some of them were behavioural, some of them were pretty health-based. First of all, brain fog. I couldn't quite understand what I was doing, short-term memory loss, 
um, I couldn't find uh, the words when I was speaking. Like sometimes in meetings uh, at work, I would be there and I just couldn't find the word that would go completely blank. The worst symptom for me was chronic fatigue. Ms Piazzi also noticed her symptoms worsening when she started working from home, which included slow healing of wounds such as cuts and bruises. She says the two things that helped her overcome her symptoms were knowledge, then avoidance. She started learning about the impacts mould can have on your health and decided to move out of her water-damaged rental property. When I first started reading it, it was just like, oh my God, this, is, this explains all of the symptoms that I've been having in the last 10 years. So it was a big revelation. And then... Uh, the first, the very first step that it's widely recognized for mold treatment is actually avoidance. So what helped was finding a place that was not water damaged and didn't have mold. Moving out, however, was not easy for Ms Piazzi. It took the 39-year-old and her partner five months to find a suitable rental property. Once present in an enclosed environment, mould is very difficult to remove as it lies deep within the surface. Dr Brambila says that the task of clearing mould is best left to the professionals. It's highly difficult and we always recommend to not do it yourself at home. Sometimes, you know, with some chemicals that could be uh, quite toxic. It's easy to wash it off. But the problem of mold is that it's inside the wall. So probably we just clean the surface, but the mold stays there. So it's not a long-term solution. So the best way on the short term is ventilate the space or use humidifier to remove the excessive humidity and then call a professional that could actually look and assess the gravity of the situation. As Ms Piazzi underlines, moving out of a house may not be a measure everyone can take easily as it poses a significant financial stress. I feel very privileged that I have a good job to be able to support me, not only moving out, but also support my treatment. I always say that healing from mold sickness is actually a privilege because you don't get any compensation. I think the legalities in the real estate market prevent an easy process of compensation, like you would have to demonstrate that the landlords have previous knowledge that the place is not livable. Meanwhile, researchers are developing new methods and strategies to control the formation of moisture in buildings and to encourage the use of more efficient materials to prevent the proliferation of mould. But no strict regulations are currently in place. In March 2020, a federal government inquiry into biotoxin-related illnesses in Australia recommended that the states and territories conduct further research into the adequacy of current building codes and standards related to the prevention and remediation of dampness and mould in buildings. Associate architect Diana Yang of Luigi Rosselli's firm says that although legislation does not regulate the prevention of moisture, there are codes and standards that need to be followed in new constructions. With the Building of Code of Australia, there are some specific rules that are set out which relate specifically to a few topics 
specifically, which is the building membrane, uh, basically uh, preventing water from coming inside the building, obviously. Then the other items are ventilation. So if there's any buildup of condensation, you need good ventilation to sort of clear that. And then also focuses on specifically the ventilation of the roof space. So um, if you have any exhaust systems within your buildings, that will uh, affect the condensation buildup, which thus leads to mould. So it's important to make sure that all the exhaust systems are well ventilated and um, exiting the building in the, you know, uh, and, and not being held up anywhere. Dr Brambila says that research is ongoing to improve the construction quality. On the research stage and like also how the construction sector is moving now to adopt these strategies and these new provision is actually looking at how we can improve the construction quality. So we are looking at where materials are placed, for example, like vulnerable or uh, more critical materials um, can be placed outside or high humidity zones, for example, bathrooms, but also the type of and the permeability of membranes inside our walls so that they can allow walls to breathe and to exhaust the excessive humidity that can be accumulated inside. With the recent wild weather in large areas of Queensland and New South Wales, the risk to residents' health caused by moisture buildup has dramatically increased. Dr Moy has some sound advice for those who are experiencing the presence of mould and how to protect themselves from it. Well, really, to try and reduce your exposure, first thing is try to stay in the fresh air if possible. Unfortunately, obviously, in situations such as the recent floods where there's a lot of moisture exposure, which is what's going to cause the mould to flourish, is to dry out as much as you can, open up the windows as much as you can to dry out things, that, and unfortunately remove things that have been really soaked in water for a couple of days, like carpets and things like that. If they're, if they're soaked in water, they're probably not going to be able to dry it out and they'll have lots of moulds, they may need to be thrown out. And if you must spend time in the space, Dr Moy recommends wearing an appropriate mask. And the other thing is, if you do need to go into an area where there are a lot of moulds, wearing one of these heavier-duty masks, these P2N95 masks, which are much better at sort of filtering out moulds or the spores, are the sort of things that are worth wearing. This was an SBS radio podcast. For more Settlement Guide stories, visit sbs.com.au slash radio.